Avi on Money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's nine minutes, nearly 10 minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us. And as I said to you last week, today is the show that hopefully will set the tone for the rest of the year. We usually do a show like this in the beginning of the year where we speak to investment specialists and we try to find out what's going on. I just want to sort of lay out the table and, and put my feelings out there. It's been an incredibly, incredibly challenging period. Um, people have invested money, lump sums, recurring um, investments over the last 36, 40, maybe even 50 months. That's two, three, four, maybe five years. And the returns have been Dismal. Sometimes they've been non-existent. I don't think you've had negative returns over that period, but you surely haven't had growth. And that old adage always comes forward, had I put my money in the bank, I would have done better. And the answer to that is, of course, you would have done better because you would have got a fixed return. You would have had no exposure to any volatility except for the repo rate going up and down. And you would have got a compounding effect on your money. But once you invest and you take a certain element of risk on board, you expect for that risk to be compensated by growth that is aligned with that risk. And what we found over the last while is that we're just not getting that growth through. Together with that is that the, the reality that there are commissions and fees that are paid, regardless of whether your money rep- uh, um, performs or doesn't perform, and yet you look month on month or quarter on quarter or year on year, and you don't see a return. So I thought to maybe go to... The the people that really supported High FM many, many times over the last couple of years, and that's Canon Asset Management, always free with their time, always willing to come into studio. And uh, it gives me great pleasure to welcome back Samantha Stain. Welcome back to High FM. Thank you, Avi. Nice uh, being here. But you're no longer the Sam that we know. We knew you last year. You're now the Chief Investment Officer of Canon Asset Management. Congratulations. If, if my opinion's worth anything, great appointment. Well done. Thank you. And Colosilo Pakasi, sorry about the pronunciation. I will get it right. Welcome to Chai FM. You're an investment analyst at Canon. Welcome. Lady, gentlemen, let, let's open up the, the discussion, but just let's summarize a little bit. Sam, what happened over the last couple of months? Avi, as you mentioned, um, the last year for investors has been very disappointing. Um, both locally and globally, we've seen negative returns. Um, the JSE, unfortunately, was down 8%, and we're not alone in in this space. If you look globally, the average market globally was down 7.5%. So investors, I can understand and sympathize with, are frustrated at the moment. Their returns are negative over the last years. And even if we look over a three-year period, as you mentioned, the returns are lackluster and don't even beat um, money market returns or cash in the bank, which is extremely frustrating. The reason behind this is that we're going through times of High uncertainty, a lot of volatility, global growth slowdown. I mean, just yesterday the IMF um, reduced global growth, um, which the is forecast the outlook. The outlook. So now we're down to three and a half percent for the year. So down 0.2 percent. While it doesn't sound large, it is meaningful, and the the risk is that we might see further downgrades to growth. And growth is an extremely important factor when we're looking at equity returns to come. So the market is basically, over the past year to three years, basically derated and pricing in normalization of rates, lower growth going forward, and 
a lot of uncertainty is being priced in with Trump, with Brexit, um, with emerging market risk, and locally with elections. In simple English, does that mean that what the market is doing is trying to find the right level for a realistic price going forward? So in a way, it's a subtle change of what happened very dramatically in 2008 and 2009 where the market all of a sudden had to recost itself to a realistic level. Is, is that what it's doing now, sort of finding its feet on or trying to find solid ground to build on? Exactly that. And, I mean, there were periods where you had markets run quite hard, and I think um, as as the facts set in and markets, like you say, correct – for actually the times ahead. So we've we've had a huge correction and we have had major deratings in markets where by now we believe it's actually provided um, quite a few opportunities um, going ahead. So while I can understand the frustration of investors, our um, philosophy and belief is that um, we're forward-looking, so we're obviously looking for returns ahead. And while a lot of investors want to now disinvest, we, we actually argue the complete opposite, that now is the time to be invested because you have um, markets that are on very attractive multiples and dividend yields, and that's the best um, – I mean, that's ultimately what you want to invest in going forward. So that's what I just wrote down now while you were talking. The market is relatively cheap now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all of a sudden become cheap, so to speak, which means that there must be earnings coming through from companies. Um, and the the PE ratios have come down, am I right? Yes, so it's come down quite, quite significantly. Um, even globally, you have forward PE ratios of 13 times, which, I mean, they come from 21 times. So it's a massive derating um, in markets, both locally and globally. But, I mean, it's our job as um, managers of clients' money to assess whether this is – risk priced in and that we're not just buying something cheap and there's more tailwinds to come or that we're actually assessing why is it so cheap and it's it's times like this where you where you have to do proper thorough analysis to make sure you're buying quality assets and not just cheap assets where more tailwinds are yet to come and can become cheaper so for an investor where a fund manager has a certain portfolio and a certain mandate they can buy in and out of certain uh, shares. Now's an opportunity to almost recalibrate that that bundle of shares that they that they're holding, and look for opportunity. So that doesn't mean they're going to flick a switch and all of a sudden the returns will come through. But it's opportunity to sort of recalibrate and buy the correct units at a point to deliver returns going forward. Exactly. I mean. With volatility and uncertainty on the rise, we need to make sure that the portfolios have a defensive element built in in it. So you need to look for high-quality defensive shares in these environments for if we have Trump or a Brexit or something, some market shock come, that investors are um, protected or their portfolios are diversified, well-managed, and hold the right assets should those events occur. Okay. Clarky, so just for you... Um, on the same vein, let's look here locally in South Africa. Yes. South African public, the South African nation, is a very resilient group of people. We've been through a hell of a lot. Um, we didn't even realize at the time how bad state capture was. I think what's come out in the last two days is almost something out of a sci-fi movie. Uh, I mean, uh, I think Hollywood would be hard-bent to try write that script. Um, but yet we came out of it. You and I went home with our families and, and, and life carried on. 
But at the end of the day, we've got a challenge here on the political side. But ultimately, companies are de- de- delivering returns. People are spending money. Our families are going to the shops. We're buying food. We're buying clothes. And we're buying housing. What's the growth outlook for South Africa Inc. going forward for the next 12, 24 months? Well, Avi, um, like you just said, people are buying, companies are growing. And and Sam has mentioned, valuations right now are at the levels they've been, they've never been since the recession. Um, So going forward, uh, this is a perfect entry point into equities. And while it's very difficult to focus the growth going forward, um, we will start to see returns come in. And I believe that uh, most of these uncertainties, the politics um, globally and locally is already priced in into these um, assets. So we'll see earnings come through. You know, before this interview came in, I was I started, I, I prepared it and I was, I was actually quite uptight because... It's just been a rough space to be in, and yet within 15 minutes, what you guys have really done is sort of just looked at it with a different level um, of experience and, and, and uh, expertise and also maybe at the different, different tint on your glasses to say that it's not necessarily negative, but it's incredibly positive that the, the, we're not out of the woods, but we know exactly where we're going and we've got our foundation to build on. Um, Craig, if you don't mind, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back in a moment. Avi on money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. It's exactly 20 minutes past 12. In studio with me is Clock Liso from um, Canon Asset Management, and I got the name right. Sam, your name is not difficult. You, uh, as again, once again, congratulations on the new appointment as CIO, Chief Investment Officer of Canon Asset Management. Let's take a look going forward. If someone had walked into the studio now and said they want 15 minutes of our time, they've never invested before. They've got a significant amount of money, let's say they've got half a million rand, and they don't need the money for the next five years, but these are the rates that they can get at the bank, and we could present it with fixed interest rates that we could get at two or three different banks, and they're quite attractive from a few points of view. Number one, they're decent figures between, let's say, five and a half and seven percent. They therefore give no risk because you'll get them if the repo rate goes down, which is not going to happen. That's the only sort of downside. Um, and um, who cares about Brexit and uh, Trump and elections? doesn't affect that sort of investment. But they come to us as little jingle and little uh, sparkle in the eye to say, but apparently I could do more if I speak to clever people and we take on a little bit of risk. And they've got a five-year horizon. What would be the typical conversation we'd have with this, with this person? So, Avi, while it might seem attractive looking at 55 to 7% bank rates, um, you mentioned no risk. I would argue your risk, there is a risk. It's inflation. I just say I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Being polite. Um, there is a risk, inflation. I mean, we have inflation at 5%. So if Which you're earning, ultimately is our biggest risk. Exactly. So if you're earning 5% at the bank, in real terms, you're actually going nowhere. It's zero. So if you have a five-year um, investment horizon, we need to um, we need to go up the risk scale. So you need to include in a portfolio equities, bonds, properties, and real return assets. Um, our our starting point at Canon Asset Managers is that we believe asset allocation is your most important factor to consider. So 
while we'd obviously an- need to analyze the client's needs and their risk appetite, um, we ultimately believe step number one is asset allocation, and from there we would build perhaps a multi-asset um, class, a multi-asset portfolio for for the client, which in real terms can give you anything between 10 and 15 percent, depending on how much equity exposure you can tolerate. Um, but that's a that's a better solution for a client with, like you say, 500,000 rand, five years, and willing to take a bit more risk to get higher returns. You said between 10 and 15%. We haven't seen a 15% of the market for a while. And then you said if they're prepared to take more asset allocation, equity allocation on. So are we saying that we expect equities to really perform or to deliver within the next year and a bit? Probably, um, probably not 15% within the next year. I mean, what what SA, what SA equity needs is growth locally within the next year. Growth is likely to remain anemic, right. um, and with the uncertainty of elections, I don't see um, any major changes happening to growth. So, I mean, equities over the next year, you're probably looking between single digits and maybe low double digit returns. Um, the benefit is that with the shares derating, they're sitting on actually very attractive yields. So equity yields can, our, our equity portfolios are yielding between four and a half and five percent. Um, so quite high dividend yields and you just need a bit of capital appreciation and you, you're at 10 percent for equities. But Avi, they, I mean, that's why we look for multi-asset portfolios because there has been asset classes that have delivered what you refer to as 15% over the past year, um, preference shares, which is a unloved and often forgotten asset class, actually delivered 14%. So it's a little shy of your 15%. But in 2018, preference shares, after tax and fees, delivered 14%. So that's why um, asset allocation during these uncertain times is so critical, so that you don't, um, you can diversify across different asset classes that that can provide you different returns in this environment. So what's coming through on the question line is that um, just on the last comment that you made, if I just can just summarize it, is that if that's the case, if you as Callan Asset Management can diversify, mm. why couldn't the bigger fund managers, they go through to list the, the normal suspects, but why couldn't they diversify? Why couldn't they look at this two, three years ago, now these are my own words, and have said, well, we've got headwinds coming. We should diversify the balance portfolio, the equity portfolio, the capital portfolio. Uh, you know, so sort of just to give our clients some underpinning, some protection. But that didn't seem to happen. Well, if if a client is in a pure equity portfolio, then the large asset managers have very little place to go. They have to invest 100% within equities. And another another issue with the large asset managers is that they they large, so they. Um, they can't be very flexible and agile in the markets. They, they're unfortunately, given the size, forced to own the top 20 and therefore can't escape um, certain company risk or um, that on the on the JSE. Um, within their asset allocation portfolios, it's 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 a it's a similar argument. So, for example, with Canon being smaller, we're able to, instead of having bond exposure or being overweight bonds, we've rather chosen to have preference share exposure as our yielding asset class there. However, the preference share market or universe is small, so it's very unlikely that your large investment houses would be able to include that within their multi-asset portfolios. And if they did, it would almost be a benign investment. It's not going to be material. 
it's impossible for them to be material given their size and the size of the universe. Okay. So, Avi, yes. just to add on to what Sam is saying, um, it's very easy with hindsight to look back and say, mm-hmm. why didn't they diversify? Um, that's why at Canon, we build portfolios for the future. We build strategic asset allocation portfolios that are catering to two years, three years out instead of looking back. Having said that, um, let's talk quickly um, about uh, South African bonds. Bonds have de- delivered in the last, uh, you know, in the last short while, and you'll find that most balanced portfolios and you know, portfolios that we call to the left of those, and it's more conservative for, for, for portfolios, will have greater bond allocations, and therefore the returns have been pretty good. Um, could you guys maybe just let's go back a step? What is the bond? How does it work? How does it deliver return? And why is it included in portfolios? Well, it should be included in portfolios. So just in terms of the how a bond works, essentially you get different types of bonds. So there are corporate bonds and government bonds. Traditionally, when we speak of bonds, we're speaking about um, government bonds, whereby the government would issue paper debt possibly for ESCOM. Um, and or SA. Or, or SA, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and they would pay a yield on that paper. And the price basically fluctuates depending on the market forces, the dynamics of buyers and sellers. Um, over the past year, bonds have delivered, and that that's possibly because we come off a low base. I mean, we come off a lot of uncertainty. We had a few finance ministers in between, um, and that's that's the reason why bonds performed slightly better than what equities did. Um, but they have been included in in multi asset portfolios. However, their weighting has been has been lower um, compared to equities because equities are meant to outperform bonds over time. So while bonds did perform slightly better, like you say, those returns don't necessarily translate in clients' portfolios due to the weighting. What I'm picking up from this interview, and it's quite sobering, is as much as I know you, Sam, from before, and there's a great personality, what's coming through in this interview is let's not get emotional mm. and let's not get carried away. I have tried to get a little bit of pizzazz going, but you guys are being very straight <laughs> down the line that this is the way it's going to be. And and I think that's maybe where a person like myself who interacts daily with clients and tries to feel the pain that they're going through so you can sympathize, exactly. maybe just gets a little bit carried away. And every time the phone rings, you think, you're going to ask me the same question you asked me six weeks ago. Yes. And I told you that it's looking up, this indice is up, that, and yet the return's down. And you're saying, well, it's down. Well, that's it. If you need the money within the next short while, let's move it all to cash, and then we don't have to worry. Okay. And whatever the last is, unfortunately, that's what it is. But if you had to invest, you've got to sit the ride out. Exactly. You have to sit the ride out. We often, I mean, it's like you say, it's our job to to speak with our investors and our clients to educate them on this. And, I mean, a good case in point looking back, um, Peter Lynch used to run the um, Fidelity Magellan Fund, and his average return from 1977 to 1990 was 29% per annum. That's his return. However, the average investor's return over that period was negative. And the reason was because investors were buying him after a year of outperformance and selling him after a year of underperformance. And they were trying to time the market, time him, and they completely got a, 
a different result to his. Had they just stayed invested, they would have got the 29%. And that's what we need to encourage clients to do. While the last, like you say, three years have been dismal, the point is you need to stay invested. That's the the number one thing is to stay invested because this too will pass. And we believe um, while maybe the first, the next year will be tough, um, if we're looking three to five years out, um, it's definitely a time to be invested. And, and just to add on to what Sam is saying, um, investing is not a one shoe fits all. Mm. Um, you have to understand the needs of your client. I mean, my 85-year-old grandma can't sit in an all-equities portfolio. Um, we have to actually need, check out what she needs um, with her money. And make sure that we've just diversified correctly. Clarkson, just on that note, one premise that we're all working on over here is that South Africa is not going to crash and burn. Now, I don't say that flippantly. Mm. Um, and, and one thing I've experienced in this studio in the last three, four months taking December out is the most incredible optimism that I have seen in this country from the last long time. Just last week, two young, and they called themselves Afrikaans girls, sitting over here, who've built this company that makes boutique clothing for the affluent market. Um, highly qualified ladies, very skilled in other areas, and yet they chose to build a business here. Prior to that, young entrepreneurs who started companies like uh, mytreasury.co.za, other young guys with uh, – one chap had a PhD in artificial inter- intelligence from Harvard – um, you know, ex-discovery employee building an app for investors for children. All that encouragement is coming through. And that says to me, if you just put the clutter and the noise aside, we're a sound country. We've got problems. We've got issues. But we're not a Zimbabwe by any stretch of the imagination. That is correct. Hey, that guys, it's correct. radio. You've got to talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, Avi, you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, if you strip out all the noise... And look beyond the noise. There's so much potential here. Um, we are far from a Zimbabwe. I mean, if you look at some of the companies we're invested in locally, fundamentals are sound. And all we have to do is just have the patience and everything else will sort itself out. And, you know, there were, I just overheard an interview this morning about Davos and talking about which CEOs and CEOs going. And I, mm. I just thought, you know, we've got CEOs in this country that are CEOs amongst CEOs. They can hold their own anywhere and have held their own anywhere. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before, but I read an article many years ago about um, the CEO of SA Breweries, whose name now escapes me, the previous CEO, um, Khan. And he he was at some international convention, and they were talking about the problems that they're having with their companies. And they're waxing lyrical about this issue and that issue. And eventually he put up his hand and he stood up, or was his opportunity to speak. And he said, what I'm hearing here wants to make me vomit. And I was reading this, I thought, okay. He says, your issues... Oh. Our stuff I deal with within one hour in a day. Yeah. You guys don't even begin to understand what labor unrest is. Mm-hmm. You don't begin to understand what a fluctuating currency is. You don't begin to understand what market movements are. We're an emerging country and yet we're playing on the same field as you. So just calm down with your issues. Maybe stop calling them issues. Deal with them and your companies will start to grow. And then I realized, well, you know, if we, if he can say that 
and you can grow the company to a multinational powerhouse that it is today, we've got a great company and we've got a great country. I agree. We, uh, uh, I feel your sentiment. I mean, we share the same things. We, we, like you speak about SA Inc. And I mean, we meet with a lot of CEOs and like Clotiso mentioned, there are numbers of companies that we are invested in that are in, are, operate within South Africa, have strong balance sheets. And these CEOs have been able to, to weather the storm and have, have managed to grow earnings. And despite being South African faced, have to deal with labor unrest, electricity outages, increased prices, consumer sentiment that's on the low, and and cl- and customers that are are struggling out there. I mean, one to mention is One Logics. Um, the CEO Ian Lawrence is he's managed to run that company in this time magnificently and continue growing earnings. That's a logistics company. It's a logistics company, and I mean. If you think about logistics and what they have to face with petrol increases, they f- they face problems here that, like you say, first world problems are are small compared to what Correct. these CEOs have to face. And I mean, in in tough times, we're looking for these companies, and we have great CEOs that run South African companies and investments. And on on a country level, I mean, the structures are there. The just the system works well. Our stock market works well. Our financial system works well. So we are much better off than a lot of guys. Now, Clark Lisa, it's interesting you say that. I had lunch yesterday with a colleague, an ex-colleague who moved to New Zealand. And just an interesting sort of throwaway comment that he made. He said, you know, we are live, it's 100 kilometers to... So my first thought was 100 kilometers, developed by five and a half, it's 15 minutes, big deal. He says, and, and it's not like South Africa where you just get on a highway and you're there and you sit at 120 and if you've got Waze or Google Maps, you know where to avoid. He said, it's little narrow roads and it takes time to get there. Yeah. And I thought, everybody's running to New Zealand and yet he has flippantly just said how amazing our infrastructure is. I, I said, I think despite our rail um, infrastructure, which has really made me regressed, our road... F- is uh, roads are phenomenal. We have issues. There's no doubt about them. But if you go anywhere, if you go to spe- specifically to the UK and maybe to the state of New York in America, you'll realize that our roads are quick. And if there's no accidents, even with heavy traffic, you can get around very, very efficiently. And, and that all goes to, to play hand in hand with the fact that our companies can grow. Exactly. I mean, while we may have issues, those issues present opportunities. And essentially, um, if things were running smoothly, there would be no opportunities. But now you say roads. Now you have a company, Rawbex, that can fix the roads. And that provides opportunity because there are ample roads for them to still develop and maintain. And, um, yeah, so we, uh, I agree with you. Um, the grass isn't always green on the other side. And while we have our problems here in South Africa, I would argue there's possibly more opportunities than problems. Great. One thing I just want to, because I know we, we moved off of the bus, when we come back to markets and we've got to be running short of time, so maybe we'll ask the question and then we'll, we'll go into the break. One thing we saw for the last two or three years was a tremendous move for the positive on the U.S. markets. You know, you watch it every day. It was like just a good mm. news story. Mm. It was almost like a, an unstoppable, um, force, you know, force yeah. that was just going and going and going. Mm. Then Trump, bless him, sort of put one foot in one mouth and the whole story. And, and, and I don't know if that was the sort of brake lever that got pulled or just market forces came to play. Where do we stand there? Because bottom line is 
American employment is up, spending is up, interest rates are stable, everything seems to be positive. Have they run out of steam or are they just taking a breather? Should I answer now or after the Yeah, break? let's answer now if okay. Craig doesn't yell at us. I mean, yeah, Avi, like you say, over the past, I mean, we saw in 2016 they did 10%, in 2017, 19%. Last year was a bit of a wobble down 2.3%. But over three years, you still, US markets gave you quite attractive returns, specifically when you're comparing to local markets and when you bring that into, into local currency. Um, but a lot of that, that return and that performance were due to the, what, what was labeled FANG stocks. It was these technology stocks that just continued running and hit very high multiples. And we see, we've seen a bit of, those stocks correct over the past year or so. Um, so I think it was a sector run as opposed to the whole industry um, running, and those returns were were pretty much a sector-based. But um, looking ahead, while there was a bit of correction, we think there are pockets of opportunity in the market, but they are still expensive shares. So we, we think you have to be selective and you have to do research. Um, I don't know if you want to add, Lufisa? So, um, like you said, Sam, IMF just recently uh, downgraded growth. And while the U.S. had a strong start to 2018, it started to slow down a bit towards the end of the year. And I think the theme set is a s- s- slow 2019, while not really um, awfully bad, but we'll see a slow um, growth in 2019, which will ripple down to corporate earnings. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Trump, while rates might be stable, perhaps not increasing as fast as we previously expected, I think rates will still normalize. So it might not be as aggressive as what we thought. But if um, the U.S. normalize rates and rates continue to increase, there, there will be a correction in the market, a further correction. Okay, great. Just to give you some food for thought for when mm-hmm. we come back, if the markets overseas have done well mm-hmm. and people have a home for their money, they're not going to come to us. As an emerging market, that's what we actually need. We need foreign flows in our market to do proper stuff. May Cyril Ramaphosa do us justice at Davos. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go do that discussion in a few seconds. We'll be back with you now. Avi on money. 12 to 1 p.m. Only on 101.9. FM. Welcome back to 101.9. FM. I'm happy to see there's a bit of a chaos going on in the studio. We've sort of moved away from that hardcore analytical, clinical uh, approach to investing. Um, Sam, you said just before the break that, um, you know, the president should hopefully do us well um, in, in Davos. Interesting to know that three of the major presidents or prime ministers in the world are not there. They're dealing with their own local yeah, um, issues. Trump's not there. The France, the French is not there and the British are not there. No. So it was quite interesting that the, you know, who is there and who isn't there. But regardless of that, he does have a good story to tell. He can show change, he can show prosecution, he can show correction, but can he really show that which is worthwhile investing in? Come here, put your money here, because ultimately a, or a, a, a industry like mining needs really one thing besides the ore. They need policy certainty. Mm. Are we getting there? I hope so. I think um, Sol Ramaphosa comes from a business background and he is he completely understands what we need. I, I don't doubt that. And Davos is uh, an opportune platform for him to go and 
show our case and um, try and attract foreign investment to South Africa. Perhaps it's a blessing in disguise that the larger um, players aren't there because perhaps it gives him a bit more opportunity to um, create deals and partnerships with other countries which South Africa needs. Um, but we, yeah, I mean, we optimistic that Sol Ramaphosa can deliver on those policies and create a a very stable and certain um, outlook for investors because ultimately that's what foreign investors need. They're probably taking a wait-and-see approach for elections before they come here, but definitely to plant the seed for, for the future because this isn't a, a short-term game. It's a long-term game, and um, I definitely think Sol Ramaphosa can is here for the long run and can put us on the right foot for the next 10 years. You know, talking about um, planting the seed is a interesting phrase that you used because um, land uncertainty is a very, very big issue mm-hmm. here. Um, again, there was a report I read many, many years ago where the, a particular multinational had a mine in the middle of nowhere where it was it was a military installation. You had to fly in or you had to go in by armored car and you once you got in there, it was perfect. But it was it was incredibly... Unsettling to get there, and yet they were doing well, and the mine was producing well, and everything was working well. And the question was asked, "Well, why are you sinking a shaft there, where you just got, you know, it's burning all over you?" It says because political turmoil we can deal with, policy uncertainty we can't, we can't deal with. Mm. Here we know what the what the what the variables are. We know we had to be careful and there had to be security and we had to sort of get all the tribal chiefs on board, etc., etc. And we can deal with that. We can manage that. When the rules change halfway through the game, that we can't deal with. Yeah, exactly. So that's investors crave certainty. They need policy certainty. It's, it's the ingredient we need for foreign direct investments. While there's uncertainty with land reform and um, the way forward, we're unfortunately not going to get foreign direct investments and it's going to, it's going to hurt our economy and that's going to come through company earnings, which in turn comes through our investors' returns. And, uh, and it's just also an interesting thing. If you look at where that land uncertainty actually impacts, I don't think it impacts on our car manufacturers or necessarily on our mining. Now, mining will sort of, it'll be a partnership thing. But there is so much is reliant on food. If you look at the big shares that hold, that hold mm. food stocks, that hold restaurant stocks, mm. um, you look at Tiger Brands, you look at Rhodes, which is a subsidiary, you look at Woolworths, Tongat, Tongat yeah. you know, all these guys have major land uncertainty. I think Tongat has been very clever. That they've sort Sorry, of, yeah, they've, they've sort of managed this issue years ago already because they saw it coming, and mainly also because their geographic dis- uh, you know, uh, position, it was they were they were able to sort of get the right partners in. But yes, that's the impact that it's going to have this uncertainty. But as I said earlier on, South Africans are resilient, and well, some will come so resilient. And it's quite interesting. I mean, meeting with a lot of the CEOs the past year, it's been one of the questions we've put to CEOs, whether they have um, experienced any changes due to this uncertainty and land reform. And um, funny enough, it hasn't impacted them just yet. Like you say, they're resilient, and they're running businesses not for the next year but for the next five to ten years. So unfortunately, a lot of our farmers and um, companies in that space can't afford to slow down investments because that would be tragic. I mean, you plant a tree today to reap in the next five years. So 
if you don't plant your tree, unfortunately, if your competitor plants his tree, you're out of the game in five years' time and you're just forced to um, spend. So where companies in that market, agriculture, have to spend on infrastructure to be around, they, they, they have been doing so, and that's been our experience. But other companies where by its short-term investments, they're sitting on cash. They're not, they're not investing until they have some certainty. And the problem with cash is that until the cash starts turning over once you've made the investment, it takes time. It's lazy great. on the balance sheet. It's, it's not great for Well, it's investors. lazy as long as it's cash, but even once it's invested, it takes the time for the return on investment to start showing. You know, I just think of something else just to end off. Um, I heard a, a really nice um, adage once about a particular grain farmer who would give all the neighboring farmers seed at the beginning of every season. And it, it, it seemed like a generous thing to do because he was the dominant farmer. And then it sort of became a recurring theme. And someone called him aside that why are you giving your competitors quality grain? You could own the quality grain for yourself. He said, because you obviously don't understand anything about farming. If my competitors plant inferior grain, that will cross-pollinate into my grain, and the quality of my grain will go down. Mm. So by me ensuring that everybody has quality grain, it just boils down to who's the better farmer. Who's prepared to put the sweat in? Wow. And if everybody does it, prices will steadily rise, the product will be superior, and everybody wins. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great mentality to have, especially in business. If you do, for example, if you mine for the future, if you mine for the community, if you mine responsibly, it's a win-win for everybody. Exactly. I mean, we have to be uh, – and I think our businesses have come to realize that, that they, they – I mean, we have great CEOs, like we've mentioned, and they they do do things for the future, and they have brought community on board. Um, they've they've shared within um, share schemes. They've um, increased responsibility of doing business, and we've seen that. And ESG and all the corporate um, factors are now far more um, dominant in companies, and which it needs to be. We need to be socially. Um, Aware. aware and cognizant of how we do business and who we do business with. And if everyone does it the right way, we all, all benefit. On that note, just to, to wrap off, Clotissa, uh, what I'm so excited to ask you the question about is because this was Sam's portfolio. She's no longer the lady in charge of this portfolio. She's in charge of all portfolios. So I'm going to ask you. Okay. <laughs> what does Canon, what's Canon's company thought about the RAND for the next year? I actually what? got smile, saying <laughs> smile about that one. And then you leave the hardest question for last. I mean, I can We don't forecast. Yeah, we never take a view on the RAND. You did last time. No, it was for, I remember having a discussion with you and it was very, very accurate. Oh, really? I yeah. can't. So, yeah, we, I mean, if, if you can tell me where the RAND's going to be, that would help me a lot. Um, we unfortunately aren't able to forecast. And if we do forecast, we're likely to get it wrong. So the way we build portfolios is just to diversify and try and be neutral when it comes to currency. So if you get a bit of um, diversification within the portfolios, specifically our global portfolios, and even locally, whereby you blend RAND hedges as well as local shares, um, that takes the need for forecasting out. Fantastic. Guys, thank you very much for coming in. Sam Stain, CIO of Canon Asset Manager, and Klokiso Pakisi, um, 
I got that right. Investment yes. um, <laughs> manager at Canon. Thanks for coming in. Oh, thanks for having us. Uh, um, Clark, yes, I would like to see you more often, and maybe we'll have a telephone call from time to time. Just that to, would be great. Just, to, just have to have a follow-on from the show mm-hmm. so that we can just keep the theme going. Because what I find is that we have this discussion. It creates a lot of interest. And then other interesting things come along, and then we're not quite sure what we discussed six months ago. So maybe let's have a quarterly discussion, even if it's just telephonic for 15 minutes, just that we keep abreast of things. Agreed. And Agreed. Sam's nodding, so that's the green light. <laughs> Guys, thanks for coming in. <laughs> thank you thank so much. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Next week, we're going to be moving away from this type of conversation, going back to business. And we've got a really, really interesting um, business coming in next week. It's all got to do with uh, um, artificial intelligence. It's all got to do with computerization and upskilling. But unfortunately, at the same time, it means that we're not employing that many people. But those that we are employing are earning far greater salaries. So that's the discussion we're going to be having. Look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great week. Thanks so much. Goodbye.